All right, welcome to the Top 4 Podcast. The boys are back again. This is basically episode three. We're pretty much mid-season form at this point. Um, we've got Garbs, Tedinho, and Lewis on the line here, ready to talk about the Joe Darby, for one, how that <laughs> went for the boys. <laughs> ready to talk biggest, about Biggest story of the week, right? Biggest story of the week, for sure. Biggest football story yep. of the week. <laughs> at least amongst us four, for sure. Nothing bigger happened since then, um, since our last pod. Um, definitely going to talk about the Premier League, uh, the FA Cup. We'll talk about what's some things going around the world, some U.S. men's national team, mainly Christian Pulisic. Take some of your user listener questions, and then uh, maybe we'll give Ed like a couple minutes to talk about, you know, Liverpool. But that's about it, I think. What do you think, Ted? What, how's your week been so far? How have the last four or five days gone? I've got no complaints. <laughs> no complaints, was No complaints I whatsoever. I want... Best weekend in 30 years. Uh, I was going to say, I want a very detailed breakdown of your weekend. Um, well, I mean, obviously, beating Palace was the important part, and uh, that that got done. It wasn't really a, more of a more than a stroll. No big deal. Yeah, more more than a stroll, to be fair. Um, and obviously, uh, getting through to the... Chelsea game, I actually didn't watch it. it, was on the golf course. I think that was the best course of action for me, um, being as uh, it, uh, it's City, so I was expecting them to steamroll Chelsea, to be fair. Um, but didn't happen. Got to be my... fair, they pretty, much, they pretty much did, except we... they just couldn't finish, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that sucks. Let's go ahead. Um, I want to hear... I want to hear how many, like, were you just, were you on the course, were you, like, nervous? Were you drinking? What were you doing? Uh, it coincided with probably the best nine holes of, uh, of for, for a long time for me. Not an, not an amazing golfer, but, you know, shot 44, which for me is decent. Um, mm-hmm. Striping the ball about and uh, got the update for Pulisic's uh, goal. Um, 1-0 up, felt pretty good at half time I think it was and then uh, obviously equaliser happened which I think you know hell of a strike um, and obviously Fernandinho I think ultimately that's just karma because that 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 <laughs> fella should be sent off pretty much 50% of matches he plays um, and doesn't so I've, you know, I had a big I really enjoyed the experience of that being part of the seal for us um, and obviously you know 2-1 it was uh, at that point kind of cruising at that point because it was uh in the bag, whether it was a draw or not. So we uh, I felt pretty well for that one. And then obviously, uh, highlight of the weekend for me is uh, Jurgen Klopp's dance moves. <laughs> if anybody hasn't seen that, go ahead and just Google or Twitter search that. It's awesome. Absolutely um, incredible, um, for sure. I do want to highlight Fernandinho's, uh, like the, the minute between him essentially conceding a red card, but trying to play it off. And then knowing that Barr was looking at it and him just kind of like the whole camera was on him the whole time. And he just was like, I don't know. He just Comple- looked like somebody who knew, knew he'd done wrong, but was just maybe yep. hoping that there's some complete idiot in VAR at some point and that he's going to get away with it. It was amazing. I mean, like I said, that's something like- a few years last year, he might've gotten away with because nobody saw it in real time. Outside yeah. Oh, for Chelsea sure. Players. Just, was, uh, actually, in real time, I thought like he just kind of like took it off the hip region and then 
when he, they slowed it back down and was like, oh, no, he definitely just volleyballed that off the line. But I did appreciate him just trying to, like, play it off for sure. Garbs, how was your uh, – how was your um, – what were your feelings going on during that game? I mean, to lose to Chelsea, that wasn't great, especially after you dominated wasn't for great. the most part. Yeah, it was, it was weird, though. Like, I wasn't as upset as I normally am in city losses. Like, for some reason, it just didn't feel – it was kind of like – nice to have the inevitable happen you know um liverpool won the title so now you can really go into this part of the season i mean i think we were anyway focused on the two cup competitions but um yeah i thought we played a decent game the mendy mendy gundawin mistake was awful but um if anybody's going to beat city i prefer it being a good performance from our boy so um I was okay with that. Um, not okay with losing, but okay that it was Pulisic that did it. Um, and congratulations to Ted, and that'll be the only time I ever say that. <laughs> I will. I would. I do want to also extend my congratulations to Liverpool and Ted specifically. Eighty-six points, thirty-one games played, both the earliest to have won the title and the latest to have won the title. So. Nice bit of trivia there for you guys. And no one was even close this year. So, good job for you guys. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, More importantly, Lewis, let's get into the Joe Darby. Let's talk about that for now. Let's talk about how we had a couple big – one guy specifically chirping (laughs) Arsenal in the Southampton Derby, and the boys showed up for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we we came away with a win. I mean, I I didn't (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> I didn't think it it was our most convincing display in the world, to be fair. Um, I thought their goalkeeper gave us a couple goals, obviously, and Kedia's first goal. I don't know what the goalkeeper was thinking there, but I'll take it. Um, and then similar to the last goal, you know, defender gets beat very easily, drags a guy down, red card, goal follows that. So, uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a gift. But as we've seen in, in, in the past week, it's, I think, helped us build on at least something positive uh, since the restart. We haven't had much. So uh, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, I think the, the biggest takeaway for me was that the, the young kids um, scored. Uh, Inkedia, Willock, Saka was good again. Tierney was probably our best player for, seems to be a trend now. Uh, he's young as well, so... Things are starting to look look up. Granted, we haven't played anyone tough, really. Soon to be Ooh. Liverpool player Saka, is that what you mean? <laughs> Soon to be Liverpool player, he'll get another championship because that's what we do. We give a players away, <laughs> then they win somewhere else. That's right. At least, hopefully, he puts some uh, uh, clauses in the contract when we do sell him. That gives them bonuses. Ted, what's your uh, what's Liverpool's goal for the rest of the season here? Are we just just kind of playing it out? You going for that hundred points, the most points ever? You imagine? I think, yeah. I mean, I think there'll be some there'll be some priorities. I think Harvey Elliott needs three appearances to get a Premier League tr- uh, medal. So I think, and he'd be the youngest one to get that. Um, so I think that will be something you see. I think you'll see some Curtis Jones appearances. Um, I think you may see some Adam Lallana as kind of a farewell. Um, but I don't know. I'd like to see us break 100. 
Um, but at the same time, I think it's uh, it'll be interesting. Obviously, the next one, City. I think they'll they'll want they'll want to try and put performance in for that one for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, which I think is that's going to be a very tough game for us. I think City are flying, and uh, you know I think that will be that will be interesting to see how that how that goes on. But other than that, I think it's uh, we've got some interesting amounts of games coming up that could uh, could give some people some opportunity to get some minutes in. Garb, are you looking forward to that game on Thursday? Um, kind of. I I don't. It's kind of a lose lose scenario. Um, but I think I'd like to see Foden get a start in a game like that. I'd like to. There's some things I'd like to see for sure. Um, and if you beat Liverpool, it's completely understandable that they lose. They just found out that they won the Premier League and you always know there's inevitably could be, I mean, it can work both ways. It could be a letdown or they, it could fire them up to go put on another performance for their fans and whatever. So I kind of feel like it's like a lose, lose situation there, but um, I'll watch it, but it's not a do or die thing. It's a weird feeling, you know? Yeah, I hear you for sure. All right, well, think, let's get into... Go ahead. I think getting to 100 is going to be... The big goal. I think it'll be the goal, but I think it's going to be a challenge because I think we're looking at... You know, we've got, what, seven games left, I think it is. City away, Villa at home, Brighton away, Burnley at home. So, I mean, looking at... You'd like to think, conservatively, nine out of 12 points there. Arsenal away, who knows? That's a tough one. There Chelsea, you go. Chelsea at home. Another tough one, then Newcastle away to finish up. So, you know, you're looking at <clears throat> some give or take, but we need what is it, 17 points, I think, to get to 100. What's no, 14 the, points. Sorry, get to 100. 14 points. What did you yeah, get? So what did City get? 101. Oh, right on 100. Oh, you got right 100. Okay. Gabby Jesus scored a goal, like 90th cool. minute on the final week to get it done. Gotcha. And and I think that may become a focus to get to 101, just because uh, you know, obviously. Some of the knock is that, you know, we, we put our week weekend team in the FA Cup and, you know, we couldn't do it in the Champions League, but while also spreading coronavirus across the UK. Um, but, uh, you know, I think being able to kind of break that record from last year would, would I think, be an important target. Um, I think that's where they're going to go. You know, I think 14, 15 points out of, you know, possible 21 is is feasible. Um but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you see coming down the pike, you see Van Dyke getting a rest in some of these games. He's played every, I think, every minute, every Premier League game thus far. Um, I know Matip's out for the season now, but I think that's the impending uh, coming together of uh, Joe Gomez and uh, the man, the myth, the Beth and David Luiz, Dejan Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Is he already qualified for a medal yet or do you get him? Enough matches to do that too. <laughs> Lovren, Lovren, sadly, is going to claim a Premier League titles. Oh my god! Medal. Um, and I think uh, the other side of things is there's a couple of young lads, you know, Kijana Hoover and uh, you know, Vandenberg that potentially get a run out. But uh, you know, I think we're probably looking at Van Dyke playing um, Thursday, and then I think there's a good chance he gets a rest. Um, Villa, you know, Brighton. Because obviously, you know that's that's the man. That if he uh, if he goes down, it's uh, 
not the best situation for us. Gotcha. Well, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I'm interested to see how Liverpool approach. I, I think Klopp definitely shooting for at least 100 for just to get that marker down. Um, and I know, like, the, the, the fixtures left are probably doable for sure on, with how Liverpool have been playing, at least in the last couple of games. So that's good. Um, did want to talk about the Premier League a little bit. I know this past weekend there was mainly FA Cup games, which we'll get into in a second. But um, there were some games that were played, and then, uh, we had um, we had Wolves play. They won, which is big for their European hopes. And then I think Aston Villa lost this weekend too, which is another nail in the coffin for them to possibly go down. So I kind of broke down this uh, section of three mini sections. So we obviously have Liverpool as champions. The Champions League places are actually heating up pretty well here. We've got Leicester on 55 points, Chelsea on 54, United, Man United at and Wolves are both at 52, but Wolves have played a game extra. If you were a betting man, which I know a few of you are, Lewis, we'll start with you. If you had to choose between Leicester, Chelsea, Man United, Wolves, and we'll say the fifth spot's open, who do you think of those three or four going to the two spots that are open? Three spots that are open. Okay, so out of those four, who finishes third, fourth, and fifth? I'll go with... uh... I'll say, ooh, that's tough. Uh, Chelsea grab third, Leicester fall to fourth, and United, unfortunately, hold where they currently are. Okay. What about you, Garbs? I think, well, United have a game in hand at 52 points. United and Wolves, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I weirdly think that it'll go Chelsea, United, Wolves, Leicester, Wow. Leicester fall that far. Uh, I think I've so. Just, I've seen their recent play, and it's not been great. And we'll talk about another team that's kind of – that we predicted high hopes for. So, I mean, I feel like I feel like when we first when we first started the pod, we thought – one, I mentioned the fact that some people were predicting that Leicester were safe in the Champions League places, and I'm not – and we all were yeah. like, mm, I'm not sure about that for sure. And I feel like we're kind of seeing the repercussions of that. Uh, specifically that they've got a pretty tough schedule and two that they just haven't looked very fluid. And I think we've seen also that obviously through this situation that some teams have come back hot, like United look different level. City look like they've never picked up outside of the Everton result. The Liverpool look great. Leicester have looked pretty poor. Sheffield United have looked really poor. Wolves have looked good. Man United have looked really, really good. Um, So I think there's definitely a level of teams that are just, not done well, and other ones that have kicked on for sure. Um, Gars, what do you, you said, Ted? What do you think of, of those those four? Who would you say in the Champions League? Um, I mean, Wolves and United obviously play the same amount of games now, so they're both at fifty-two points. Mm-hmm. Chelsea fifty-four, Leicester fifty-five. Um, Wolves, I think, are going to just be slow and steady. I think they're going to quietly go about their business, get points. Snuck one in kind of a Midlands derby against Villa on Saturday, 1-0. Um, Chelsea looked decent, to be honest. I think they're coming to a good good vein of form. So, I mean, for yeah. me, Chelsea got a game in hand. Um, I'm not sure who it's against, to be honest. Um, but they've got a game in hand, um, which could separate them a touch. Um, 
you know, and I think that would help. Obviously, their game of hands is also against West Ham. Just look that up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, game in hand against West Ham. So that's going to put them at fifty-seven um, with a game more than City than than Leicester City. Um, I haven't been massively impressed with Leicester, um, and they've got Everton tomorrow um, at Goodison. So I think you know if Leicester put on a similar performance to to be fair, what they did against Liverpool, which was a lot more sturdy at the back than they have been. Um, I think Leicester could struggle to break them down. I think they are more of a getting behind you, kind of counter-attacking type side. But um, I think Leicester City will drop out. I think Wolves will be... I think go Chelsea will be third. I'm going to go Wolves will take fifth. United will take fourth and then Leicester will... I think Leicester might drop all the way down. Ted, we're in agreement, sir. Yeah, I think that might be what happens. Wolves have been impressed with. They're just yep. slow and steady. You know, they won four of the last five. Leicester lost two, drawn two, won one in the last five. And it's just, uh, you know, it's a. I just don't see him. I don't see him breaking down a team that's going to be resolute, to be honest. I don't see that happening. Um, you know, not to mention, I think their fixtures are a little bit challenging. They're Everton, pretty tough. Palace, who aren't, who aren't easy to beat. Arsenal, who could, you know, a week from now could be in a better place after a couple of decent results. Bournemouth will probably be do or die at that point. Um, Sheffield United, or that's turning into a much easier game. Um, Spurs and United. I don't know if they've yeah. got that in them. Wolves remind me of what Leicester did when they won the title. They're just right now shutting down shop on the defensive side. You can, like, just grinding out one nil draws, which is pretty much all they need to do. So I think at the very least they're going to be in a European place. Um, I'm hoping if somehow they could pip United to the Champions League spot, we'll see what happens. But United look in good form. They've won the last two games 3-0. So outside of the FA Cup result. But So we'll see how that goes. So the second tier I would almost say is the European places, what I was just mentioning. You've got Tottenham at 45 points, Burnley at 45 points, Sheffield United at 44, but they're in a free fall. Arsenal at 43 I'll include Palace in there just because they're at 42 points. So there's a, that's a three-point gap within a few teams. That With Burnley and Palace both being played an extra game, I think that seventh spot and predict possibly the eighth spot just because of the fact that um, – I'm sorry. It would be the seventh spot would be European football just because of the fact that at the FA Cup right now, the semis are all Premier League teams um, and mostly teams that will probably finish in the top four at this point. So I don't know. I'm – Sheffield United, let's just talk about them for a sec. Like, we predicted they were – we hoped they would do well, and their form has fallen off a cliff. Lewis, have you seen anything – or are you just kind of surprised by that? I mean, we, we played them at the weekend in the FA Cup. What what have you kind of noticed from about them or just um, – I'm not really surprised. Uh, when we talked about the restart, I thought it might hurt them and Leicester the most um, just because of the momentum that they had. Sheffield United specifically, I mean – the talent isn't there compared to a lot of teams. I think they kind of built up this um, mentality that they were going to do it. And I think that long break probably impacted them the most. Uh, Watching us play them at the weekend, uh, they were pretty bad. Uh, (laughs) And I say that because I thought we were poor. Yeah. And we managed to beat them. Um, So I didn't see a lot from them. Going forward, I mean, they, they did a lot of long throws into the box and putting corners in and that kind of thing. But 
from the run of play, they really didn't uh, create much. And, uh, yeah, I think if you're going to rely on that in the Premier League, the teams that have done that in the past haven't really been successful. You know, Stokes yeah. and those those kind of guys. So it's, I don't think it looks good for them. It's almost like they hit their ceiling and now kind of found it. And then that's pretty much it. I don't know. I think I think no crowds hurts a team like that too. Yep. And For I think sure. it hurts it hurts when you're in a free fall. I feel like free falls can be worse. You have nothing to pick you up, you know what I mean? You feel like you're stuck out there. I think the first result put them in a bad spot. Yep. Cuz I mean, that if they get 3 points in that one, you know, and it puts them uh, they'd be at 47. No, sorry, 46 now cuz it ended up being a draw. So they'd be at 46 points now. Um, which would have put them in seventh, you know, with a with a game in hand, and then you're in a different spot, even with the free fall. So I mean, that it's it's going to be something we reflect upon as to whether it is a difference between them in the mix or not. I'm not sure anymore, but just in terms of the effects, a, a needless bad decision can have in kind of a a waterfall of results. I think is is going to come into under the microscope here at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't... I think that you're right in some ways about that That first result hurt them. I think the crowd is definitely a situation in a normal game where, going back to the FA Cup game against Arsenal, if when they equalised, if you're an Arsenal fan, you probably were already shitting bricks anyways because you're just thinking we're going <laughs> to blow it. But with with the crowd there, the Arsenal players definitely would have felt that extremely in a much higher extreme than they probably did. So in that way, it probably definitely helped us. And then we were able to go and get the winner in, within normal time. I think you're, you're right in those ways that crowd, crowds not being there for especially teams like that, that kind of thrive off of it, mm-hmm. definitely definitely is, a, is an issue. Um, Burnley just have actually kind of finally kicked, clicked into gear here where I think they kind of suffered in a similar way where – they definitely depend on their crowd, especially at home, um, specifically because that's kind of like the football they play. I won't say they're quite as Stoke, but they're somewhat more of an educated Stoke. But after the but, you know, who knows after the Black Lives Matter uh, banner, maybe not. But um, to be fair, they did come out and pretty well put that down. Ben Me, there's a lot of credit for that. But um, yeah, I don't know. Crowds are definitely, I think, starting to play a factor in a lot of these results coming up. So after that, eighth place, eighth place for eighth place for Burnley is gargantuan though. Oh, that's huge! Yep. Huge for them. Yep. Top any top ten finish <laughs> for them. So, Two good results not... in a row for them too. Yep. Yep. I, mean, I read some stuff saying how I think it might have been before the last the last win, but they were saying how is it time for Sean Dyche to go on? Has he taken them far as far as he can? And I'm like, well, let's be honest there. I think he's the right man for for Burnley in terms of the type of club they are. Um, but I think he's taken them as far as anyone can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody's taken Burnley to the top six. I mean, I just don't think that's a feasible thing without without a massive investor that's completely changed their, their decisions they make in the transfer market. To be honest. Yeah, I heard that too. I don't. I mean, I don't know where he would go. To be honest with you, unless. No Hodgson. Or... Yeah. No. No thanks. <laughs> We're all good. We're all set there. Appreciate you though. Uh. Maybe if Hodgson retired, maybe Palace, but I don't know. Like, there's, yeah, he's probably the he's, perfect. He's ahead of them in the table right now, which yeah, is right. wild to think about. Right. I, mean, I think oh, he just he fits that club so well, like that. Yep. You're really like like 
Ted said you're not going to really – I mean, if they if they finish seventh or whatever, like that's going to be like one of the best seasons. That'll probably be one of the best seasons of all time in that situation. So, well, not to mention like he's got an, he's got a club a community and then more importantly a a chairman that's um, that's backing him. But you you go to Palace. And it's it's a little more. Obviously, Hodgson's been there a decent amount of time, but it's uh, it's it's a little more. Like you can, ne- you obviously know who the chairman of Palace is, but you can't. The chairman of Burnley is pretty much in the shadows, running the club because he's a part of the club, which I think is probably at this day and age, as secure job security as you're going to ever even run into. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, I don't, I don't understand. I don't think it'd be any reason for him to leave. I thought it was an interesting column, and I didn't really understand or even completely. I definitely just cl- didn't agree. Yeah, clickbait potentially, clickbait, but yeah, um, it's yeah, just crazy to me. I mean, eighth place for a club like Burnley Football Club. No offense to any Burnley fans, but I mean, that's something on, I think they buy a on, for. Was a column on ESPN FC because our, our boy Garb has been raging a fatwa on Twitter against them lately. Oh God, fill us, fill us <laughs> in, fill us in, Garbs. Who have I been waging a war on? ESPN FC. Oh gosh. Well, I mean. <laughs> It's, it's just clickbait. It's the worst clickbait ever, too. Like it's always a. They try to do, it's ESPN's version of soccer. So they're trying to do the LeBron Jordan argument on a daily basis between Messi and Ronaldo. So they just put up dumb tweets that people fly on in the comments and go after each other. Then on on their YouTube channel, every headline is either Pulisic is out or Pulisic is the greatest player to ever play, and it's just like a, I. I I, I don't know. I think that I I enjoy a couple of the pundits, but a couple might even be generous. I don't know. I struggle with their I struggle with their stuff. Who do you guys usually go for for like your? This is a good question. Who do you all usually go to for your? I guess club news, footy news. Like if it, it could be like club specific or just gen. Like let's just say generally. Like, who would you usually go to for that kind of information? Lewis, go ahead. Uh, I don't actually go to specific websites. Probably just scrolling through Twitter, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Arsenal stuff, you go to the club big, website big, when it's big official. Big Arsenal guy, you? Oh, yeah. He, <laughs> the guy knows everything. Yeah, uh, no, just scroll through Twitter. You get links to real sites. And like Garver said, I mean, uh, ESPN is kind of shit. So, um, don't really go to them for much, to be honest. Like Ali Moreno, just like forcefully arguing with people over things. I'm sorry, it's just not something I'm trying to watch. Agreed. <laughs> to be fa- to be fair, um, them showing the FA Cup on live TV was actually pretty. Well, I guess they only showed the Arsenal game on live TV, right? Because City and Chelsea were on ESPN Plus. Yeah. Yep. So it showed the main, the main, the good game. The only game that really mattered this weekend. Ted, do you have anyone you specifically go to, or do you just kind of do the same thing, scroll Twitter and hope for the best? Uh, yeah, you scroll. I think I quite like the Guardian. Yeah, they do a good job. The problem is they sometimes a lot of times behind a paywall, so you have to kind of see it clip somewhere else. Um, for Liverpool stuff, James Pierce used to be with the Echo. He's he's very good at just kind of getting the inside without spilling complete hyperbole every time he talks. Um, being a Liverpool fan, you can basically just do any of the newspapers. 
These days, yeah, I mean, it's and it's very simple transfer discussion. Uh, the answer is no. So <laughs> we're not going to transfer or buy anybody. So um, yeah, so I think we're we're probably done here. Got with, well, with that. Garbage has got notifications for Delaney's set up too on his phone. I know that's where he goes for a lot of his information. I have a I have a weird <laughs> obsession on Twitter of following people that I hate. And like I read their tweets to fire me up for the day. Um, <laughs> Miguel Delaney just firing you up for your for your practice sessions. <laughs> that's every time. Every that's time. So that's no, awesome. but I do um the athletic for me actually Athletic's has really some good. of the best. Athletic yeah, I did for a job. For certain sports, it's horrible. Um, college football, I'll say. I'm not a fan of a guy trash my school last week, so I'm a little sour. <laughs> um, but Sam Lee writes for writes for The Athletic for City, and he's very good. Um, he does tactical breakdowns and stuff like that, all the transfer news. So he's kind of like my one-stop shop, but I have the typical like Man City Extra and whatever, like the the city groups that have all the – transfer type stuff going on in there because we don't get a ton of that here we don't get a ton of american coverage of transfer markets i don't think they've understood that concept yet no definitely i'll give a shout out to football 365 their actual like general football content is really good they do don't want your like different features and they usually do like 16 conclusions on the big games which is really cool um obviously it sounds like sam lee is your david ornstein which in arsenal mm-hmm. in arsenal uh if you're an Arsenal fan, David Ornstein is your god because he's pretty much the only one who ever confirmed to transfer. Um, and then you have obviously our, our blog and stuff like that. But just a just shout out to you guys, a little tip. Um, if you are trying to deal with a website that has paywalls or like gives you three free reads a month or whatever, if you paste the link into your incognito tabs or whatever it is, you can read as many of them as possible because it doesn't read the cookies that you've read other articles before. So... Just, just Looks like the Guardian's not going to be sponsoring our pod. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I, I don't. Shout. I don't believe. Shout out, shout. You know, big up Henry Winter, but yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> big up Henry Winter. Yeah, John Cross, all those guys. Um, anyway, all right. From there, I was going to go in the relegation battle, but it's pretty much almost settled here. We've got. Well, that's, that's not true. We got Villa at 27, Bournemouth at 27, West Ham at 27, and then Watford at 28. So four teams, two places. Bournemouth – or I'm sorry, Villa have played an extra game and so have Watford. I think Watford actually right now, are, if I had to pick one of those four to go down, I feel like outside of Villa, those they're the one to go down for me. I don't know what you guys think. What do you think, Ted? I think I, I'll stick with what? What I said before, Norwich, West Villa, West Ham are down. Down, right. see ya, bye. All right. I'm going to stick with that because West Ham, West Ham have got Chelsea next. That's I a, think I picked Norwich. I think I picked Watford to go down with Villa and Norwich. Yeah. I and think I'm going to stick I'm gonna stick with that. I had Southampton and they've won like three games. So they're pretty much out <laughs> that's of it. Where it all, that's <laughs> where it all started. Yeah. That's that where it started. Everyone was like, oh, that, the pictures are so hard. And then it's like, actually, one of them is against Arsenal. So it's all good. Don't worry about it. But actually, they ended up losing it. But it was, that was with your heart, not your head, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was with my, yeah. That's what, I was just relying on hope in that situation. Lewis, you got any outsiders going down? Brighton, maybe, hopefully, possibly. No, I think it's Norwich, Villa, West Ham. West Ham have looked absolutely pitiful. Um, so 
Yeah, that's gonna be so, pretty rough for that club if they go down, considering their owners and how much money and the players they have. They should. There's no way they should be in that situation. But it's pretty ridiculous. Bought the left? wrong type of guys. Who do they have I mean, left? West Ham. Yeah, it's Chelsea for sure. That's tomorrow, which that might be all she wrote oh, if they lose that one. They got Chelsea, Newcastle, Burnley, Norwich, Watford, which could be an interesting game. Uh, United and Villa, which again could be interesting. So they've got the they got a lot of six pointers around there at the end of the season. So that's not they're yeah. not totally dead. Yeah, three of their last four, depending on what Norwich. I think Norwich are pretty much done, mm-hmm. but. You, know, you never know. Stranger things have happened, but um, the interesting thing then will be what happens to Pookie, what happens to Campwell. I mean, we've talked about it before, but um, I think Pookie's another striker that with a crowd is a different beast. Um, yeah, yeah. I think he plays off it a little bit, but looking at that, I mean, I like West Ham as a club. You know, I think I've been to the old Upton Park. It was fantastic. I think they sold a little bit of their soul by going out to the Olympic Stadium and, you know, it's just a very kind of aseptic facility. Fans are away from the pitch and they haven't been very successful since then. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's uh, they're a club that was so passionately followed that that can that can be a struggle. So, I think West Ham are in, are in trouble. Now, could they sneak one at Chelsea? Potentially. I don't see it happening. Chelsea are playing with some really good stuff. Newcastle have been playing quite well. Um, Burnley. And then it's really, I think they'd have to win three of the last four, which, you know, three of them against fellow relegation strugglers to probably to have a chance. Yeah. By then. I don't know. I feel like they always play well and decent, pretty decent in London Derby. So they might get a, they might throw a shock result out there. At least get a draw, maybe possibly. But we'll see. Um, FA Cup results, so the semis are pretty much set. United beat Norwich 2-1, almost on pens. Chepi um, United and Arsenal. I some... wanted those pens bad. I know, I did too. I wanted some Tim Krul. Absolute just shit houseery. <laughs> How's... Absolute I, I was looking forward to it. <laughs> Going to the water bottle, looking it up, just looking up everything for sure. But uh, Maguire had to score late. Sabaya scored late for Arsenal to give them a 2-1 win. So, Chelsea beat Leicester 1-0 with a Barkley goal. And then City beat Norwich – or, I'm sorry, beat Newcastle. Gale missed a sitter. I haven't seen it yet, but by all accounts, apparently it was pretty oh, bad. Oh, it was, it was really bad. It would have equalized, too. Yeah. And then we, we went down and scored about two minutes later. Yeah. How about the absolute disrespect to do the semifinal draw during the middle of that game? Everyone was like, ah, Newcastle will be down 4 nothing by that anyway. <laughs> Just just do the draw at halftime. <laughs> that was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the semis are going to be City v Arsenal. So we're going to a recap of that. That'll be fun, and then um, it'll be United versus Chelsea, which will be an interesting game. And then from there, the winners will play each other. Any any predictions on those those results as they're coming up pretty soon? I'm going to predict. Last time Arsenal played City in a semi, it was bad news for the boys in blue. That's for sure. Garbage. And last time you played, last time you played City, it was horrific news for the game of football. So, uh... <laughs> hey, we can learn. We can learn. <laughs> you think we'll play David Luiz on this one? Yes. Give him a chance of rebuttal. Give him a rebuttal. Yeah, we def- oh, we'll play him. In, we'll play him in the back three for sure. Oh, yeah, it's definitely happening. But 
Laporte will probably be injured by then, so it'll be okay. It'll be okay. I, I think no, United take it. I think United win the FA Cup. It pains me really? to say. It. Don't do I think that. United will win the FA Cup. I think it's a Manchester derby, and I, I, I hope that you're wrong, but I, I could see that happening too. You know that, um, Sisson, you should know that Wembley, we've played the second most games there of any stadium in the last five years. So I think we're pretty comfortable with it. So it's kind of like a home game for us. I mean, that's fine. I'm just telling you what happened last time we played you at Wembley. I'd like a home game for both of you. It's empty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I literally talked you an alley-oop right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a break. We'll settle up. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about some stuff going around the world, some U.S. men's national team stuff, and we'll take some questions from the listeners. So. All right, welcome back to the top four second half of the podcast. We've just done got done recapping the Premier League and some FA Cup results as well as congratulating Ted on his – First championship in 30 years for Liverpool. Congrats, man. He's still possibly hungover. We're not really sure. I hope he is. But <laughs> from there, we are going to just do our one feature where we talk about kind of around the world where we each talk about something that's happening outside of the Premier League that caught our eye. I'm going to start just in case anyone steals mine. But I did send this video to the boys, and I'll post it on the Twitter account. But it was Santi Cazorla's assist in the Villarreal-Valencia game um, where essentially – the goalkeeper boots it, I don't know, 60 yards. Santi on the volley, cushions it down into uh, Moreno's uh, path, and the guy hits on – I think he hits it on a half volley just into the net. But the Santi assist from just basically a 60-yard boot straight into a cushion volley into the path of the striker really just makes me pine for I wish that man was back at Arsenal because he's a legend for sure. So that's where I'm at. Uh, Garbs, what do you got? I think we're going to talk about this later too, but uh, for me, it's just been the highlight reels from Benzema. Um, guy's been doing some crazy stuff and doesn't get talked about much in a positive light. And two weeks in a row, absolute highlight reels. Um, the goal he against they played Espanol, they won one nil, and he back. Back heel nutmeg, literally hitting a runner in stride, Casemiro to finish. So Madrid look good in La Liga race right now, um, especially with I, – I don't want to talk too much because I might be taking other people's stuff, but they're they're at the top of the table and looks like they may win the league. For sure. What about you, Garbs? Oh, I'm sorry, Ted. For around the world football, I'd say uh recent one today. Ronaldo's strike was uh, was something special. Did you see that? No, I, I didn't. Yeah. I have not seen I it. I did see it. That was going to be mine. Is he, is he better? Is he better than Messi? <laughs> uh, um, I'm, a, I'm a Messi. Breaking uh, news: <laughs> ESPN FC. Guys, I just got a text. ESPN is asking if they can pick up our pod. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also a caveat in there that you have to ask that question every single episode, pre <laughs> and tweet and, it pre pre and post intermission. But um, I think it was it was a great great strike, clean, true, thirty thirty yards plus top pins. I mean, he's a uh, he's a he's a more obviously a more 
athlete, I think Messi, the way I've always described it for me is you, you put you put Messi in a 10 by 10 yard grid, he's the best player in anywhere on the park. You put Cristiano Ronaldo in space and the in the in attacking third, and he's the best player in the world as well. So I mean, I think it's uh, not less comparing and more appreciating the fact that we've probably only got two two more seasons left of them being where they are, and just be happy you saw it. Um, it's actually pretty impressive to me that we have actually lived in a period where we have two of. I would probably say arguably the greatest players of all time at this point. And like the fact that they just make the ridiculous seem so normal. Definitely. Like I think it makes us take, or at least some people take it for granted when you get in these dumb arguments about who is better than the other ones and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just enjoy it. This, I mean, I hate Ronaldo when he was on United. Didn't like him very much when he was at Madrid, but whatever, there was some romanticism behind the whole blood decima stuff, but. And Messi was just like a freak, but it's just been pretty awesome to watch as two of the best players probably ever to play in a, in a time period where we can actually say like, yeah, we actually we actually were able to watch that for sure. So, all right, Lewis, you got one, or should we just move on? Ed actually took it. Okay, so no worries. Yeah, that was going to be mine too. Okay, well, everyone, look up those two two goals and the assist, and then uh, let's get into the Pulisic talk. The man, the legend. He's back, baby. Garbs, he's going to lead us to victory in 2024. Or 2022. I, We're you good. know what this this weekend showed me is how bad the U.S. men's national team is. Because this guy <laughs> is – he's literally the best talent we've ever had. And he just – he doesn't – there's nobody that can play with him. Um, I You could argue that he was the best player on the pitch for Chelsea in the FA Cup game. Oh, while he was, he was on, he was definitely the last three games. He's what had two goals, an assist, I think, or at least. Yep. So, it's he was the best player on the pitch when he came on against Villa to win. He scored a goal, and then he was obviously instrumental. That that finish on the first goal against City was awesome. Like he should have had two, to be honest. Yeah, Kyle he, Walker cleared that one literally. I have no idea how he got that off the still, line, but still not sure how he did that. It's pretty crazy. Yep. Uh, I feel like that's just a very Pep Guardiola pass off the line somehow to another player instead of like he didn't even clear it off the line. He just like kind of cushioned it back to another player. But yeah, Pulisic probably could have Pulisic probably could have scored there. But yeah, he was unplayable that day, or at least on the break. And then yeah, against Leicester, he was great as well. So I mean, it's just exciting from an American standpoint to see him come through. Finally, be given the playing time that he probably deserves. Again, he did have injuries, so that was an issue. But he's definitely showing his worth for sure. So, looks like there could be some competition there for Zayek and a couple of the other guys coming through for sure. If a guy keeps playing this way, it's, it's I don't think Frank Frank's going to find a way to keep him on the field for sure. For sure, he's the way he's producing, the way he's playing. He's I I, I would imagine that this last. And we said it before the break that this was going to be really important for him. And it kind of tells you everything about the kid with the way he's responded because he had to know how important this was for him too, you know? And that kind of kid, that kind of mentality, I'll have that all day. Yep. My, one of my favorite things too is listening to the Chelsea games without the sound, like the crowd noise pumped in. 
Because whenever he says something, it's so American. Even though he's he's grown <laughs> up in Germany or he's grown up like and he's been spending time in England, like all of his expressions are just so straight American. He's like, he's like, fucking come on, dude. It's like just stuff like that. <laughs> you're like you're like, oh, this is amazing. He's a 20, 22 year old American kid just crushing it over overseas. So at least something for us to be excited about for a little bit, at least. Um, yep. But anyways, let's get into the question portion. The ones that all the, the listeners have submitted. I know Garbs has got one from somewhere in Milwaukee or something like that. All right. This was a question that was sent to me in a DM on Twitter. My name is Brian G from Abu Dhabi. And he asked that if City win the FA Cup and the Champions League, along with already having won the Carabao Cup, does it diminish what Liverpool did this year? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do you, have a, do you have a domestic do you have a domestic treble? Or not even a domestic treble. Do you have a, a no, treble? No, a domestic treble. It wouldn't, yeah. No, Sorry, just, domestic treble. You just have a um, treble. I think what no, he was I, getting at, the real question was Is it possible for Liverpool to compete in more than one competition? Um if we were Willing to spend as much money possibly, but as we've as we've gotten out before, I mean, there's no way, shape, or form should Manchester City be as far adrift of us in the league as they are, with the squad that they have, as we've seen this uh, in in the comeback from from the break. So I mean, the squad depth is really not even comparable, which I think is where I've said from the entire season that was the issue, is that we're going with potentially 15, 14, 15 players at Liverpool that are, I think, trustworthy in any game that we we, we kind of roll out in. And then we've got some significant drop. Whereas at City, I mean, just from the centre-forward position alone, you're looking at going from Aguero to Gabriel Jesus. You know, both start and centre forwards for the national teams. Yeah. Now we're going for. Is Gabby Jesus really as good as Aguero though? Not as he's, they're different he scores. That scores a hell of a lot of goals, Tyson. Yeah, but so do your front three. Oh. Yeah, front three. So, we have three of them. Yeah, but I'm saying they all <laughs> score a ton of, of goals. Like you can you can sub in. I don't know if I buy the whole squad. I mean, I, I will say City have better bench players for sure, but. The squad depth. You're not saying, man. You, you don't agree that Man City has more depth. No, I didn't. I just crossed it all the first team players than Liverpool does. I'm, I know. I just said I don't. I would agree with that they have a better depth, but I would say that you probably have Liverpool. I would say their bench is probably not too far behind. And I would say specifically, hmm. like I wouldn't use their depth. I wouldn't use depth as an excuse for the fact that you guys can't compete across four different competitions. I would say that was something that we'd disagree upon <laughs> that's fine i'm just quite saying, quite quite i, also, quite I think firmly i think looking, i think looking at the squad i think klopp definitely prioritizes things so and i think he also gets he likes to use excuses sometimes about that stuff which is fine it's fair you can do that but would you say you guys are favorites for your title for the title next year again uh i, I honestly don't think so you know um you know, looking at, I think with a shortened transfer window with everything that's changed, I think we need some investment. Then we're not going to get it. 
and it's going to be relying upon. We've been very fortunate over the past two seasons in that the front three that you know we've been talking about hasn't got really injured really at all. You know, they play a lot of minutes. They all press. They're all extremely fit. You know, I think Minamino will come true, and I think it's going to have to be one where he spells Firmino centrally because having seen him play in a wide area, it, I'm not not seeing that yet. Um, so I mean, looking at those things there, you know, I, I just feel like for us, like the difference, and here's a big difference: we're one, we're one injury away in too many positions from being. In a, in a bad spot, whereas I believe City's in a better position to handle an injury or two in, in significant places than than we are, and I think that's the that's the difference between doing it on multiple fronts. Um, I would argue with you there, though, that that's exactly why there was a gap this year is because we couldn't handle an injury in an area like Laporte going down ended everything for us. Sane going down really changed everything. So I think that was the difference in the points, and I think it. Like, we didn't have somebody that could plug in and be Laporte. We, not even close. So I don't know if that's necessarily true. Or, like, the year before when we lost to Bruyne for a while, our level dropped off big time. I mean, De Bruyne is a generational player, though. So, I mean, no, no one's replacing De Bruyne and doing what he does. Because he's not – there's no one else like him. But, like, for example, you lose one of your, one of your front three and you've got Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez, Sergio Aguero. Obviously, Sane was injured. Gabriel Jesus, right? So say say Sane's out because he was injured. One appearance this season, fair play. But between those four, and that's not including playing Bernardo Silva as a winger, playing David Silva as a winger, you got your man in Stockport, Stockport, fucking Messi, whatever you're calling him. You got all these players <laughs> in, in 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 dangerous places, right? Granted, you lost one in probably one of your most important places, arguably truth. But you can also argue that was there. Did you make some bad decisions in who you put in, in his place? Because you put Otamendi in there an awful lot of times when, arguably, Eric Garcia is probably the next big thing um, for you like centre-half. You'd have to trust him earlier. So, I, mean, I guess that, that's where I'm saying. Is it is it depth? Is it decisions? I think, you know, we've all talked about Otamendi, Lovren and uh, Louise being the uh, the nightmare triumvirate. But, I mean, at the same time, you ch- it's like we choose to play Lovren. You choose to play not Otamendi. So, I mean, I guess that's where I'd much rather see us play Gomez and Van Dijk, or if he's out, will play, honestly, probably anybody than Dejan Lovren, to be quite frank. But that's the decisions we made. I just think there's, there's far... That's the only position, if you want to argue, for City, except maybe in goal, which, again, we have the same issue because Adrian is either feast or famine. Yeah. Um, and, and Bravo's somewhat similar. And Scott Carson's old enough to be my dad. Um, and, he's, and he's your third keeper. And you send Zach Stefan out on loan. So I mean, I think there's a, there are those discussions there. But you look at, you know, right back. You guys are in a pretty good place. <laughs> you know, left Le- back, Mendy. Yeah, but you're okay. Okay, that's fine. I get. I take that point. But are you? You're essentially saying that then you just got lucky with injuries this this season. I think. I think we we play. We have a system, and I talked just about this in the past. We have a system that is very hard to play against, no matter who you are, because it can be. It can be playing through the lines. It can be direct. It's pressing. It's it, it can cause you problems. And obviously, we we've, we've got players that can score a hell of a lot of goals and we're good players at the back. But I think it is systems. All systems are is is players playing football, right? So you can have a system all you want, but players have to play football. And we got fortunate in that 
the right the right front three because when the front three wasn't playing, Origi scored some important goals, but he's not. He's, I mean, he's not Salah, Firmino, or whatever. You know what I mean? So I think we did get fortunate. I think playing if we want to play across different fronts, I think there's some investment and there's some changes that kind of have have to occur because City's players, you know, seem to be fine being rotated and we don't really do that so I mean if you are a player and that was I've know, seen games where you throw really in rotate. you rotate the midfield for sure Georgie sure Georgie Milner I mean Milner's not really I mean he can play where the hell he wants to play but you play those midfielders I, th- I think your most I think your most susceptible position outside of Van Dyke is probably your fullbacks because that's where you create all your chances from for the most part yep so like if, I would, yeah, I, would I would definitely agree with you if you lost Trent or Andy or Robertson like you would definitely struggle but I feel like I mean Divock came in and scored some goals I mean he basically put you through into the Champions League final last year scored so. all the important ones right exactly he, does, so not, he, he scores he scores big goals that's he I mean but that's, big goals that's big a times, good thing that, that's a good thing to have on your on your team right like that's not that's like another team can say like For hey sure. I can pull in Divock Origi and he'll score goals in a semifinal with Champions League against Barcelona and, like, be fine. So, which, like, which, which, by the way, going into that game, anybody who knew Liverpool at all was shitting ourselves because we, we were without some pretty important players at that point in time. But I think, you know, you look at that and, again, it's decisions that we make as well. We look at the Everton game, for example. We choose when, you know, uh, we get the injury, we choose to put Gomez on as a, as a left-back rather than, you know, Nico Williams could pop in at right back and then we put Trent to left back. So I guess it's the same argument I'm making there. Like we have we have options there, but they're not plug and play options. And I think you look at different different teams, for example, there's a bit more plug and play. Like we've got because we've relied on the same kind of rotation of players for so long, the players that would replace them, although talented, aren't as seasoned when it comes down to the reliability. Yeah, but we're not we're not because we're not rotating as much. That's fair, but they also all. I mean, Klopp's built a team that basically can all plug and play into a system, though. Like you said, you can throw a guy into a different position, and he'll be fairly comfortable to some degree playing in that position because he knows the system and how they play. Like if if you took a team like, I mean, that's what that's what made United teams so great. You could throw like freaking Park Chi Sung into a random team, or I mean, we talked about. Dirk Kite's another example of Liverpool and under under uh, Rafa. But, like, when you look at like some of the United teams, like, they always had players that would just be, like, average players on the bench, but they were so good and drilled into the system that they would be fine. So, like, while I do agree, like, maybe name-wise, your players aren't – they're definitely not, 100%, not as, like, probably cost as much or as talented as some of the city players. I think that what Klopp's done is built a team around the system, and he – I mean, he's got Jared Kashkiri. Like, he's got these players that he can plug into these situations and when he needs them to, to say, like, yeah, this will this will work. And usually, for the most part, it does. And I, I agree with you that, I mean, maybe you weren't saying you got lucky with injuries, but you've been fortunate in some degree, especially with your main players. But I don't know if I would agree. Like, I think a team like City is probably very dependent on two or three players. Not like I said, your fullbacks are too, but I feel like you could probably get away a little bit more than City could with him. KDB or something like that, but I don't know. That's just we me. also won it. We got a hundred points and won a title with Fabian Delft playing left back. You know what I mean? That's like, class. That's class. 
No, but and Zinchenko playing left back who had never played there because Mendy got hurt and we had nothing to fill in. Like I said, the the, the, the question was, can we compete? Can we, we just compete got on a, across we got three, or, three or four fronts? Wasn't it? That was a question. My my answer was in in relationship to us competing on four fronts. I I believe firmly that we don't have enough players to compete every competition with the same intensity. And I'll also argue that by doing what we did in the in the FA Cup and the League Club, we gave players like Chirivella a shot window to get his next move and to get money back from him. We gave, you know, Nico Williams some, some his debut and some opportunities to play, Harvey Elliott, all these Curtis Jones players an ability to do that by playing the young ones, which is, is a positive thing moving forward. So maybe they surprise me. But I don't know. I think we're going to be I predict us going on two fronts, Champions League and uh, Premier League next year. And I think the same philosophy will be put into the FA Cup. And I think the League Cup, I hope anyway, from an entire league side of things, is made more of an under-23, you know, official kind of competition. Otherwise, I think congestion and injuries moving into, you know, the Euros, etc. And the end of next year would be a little bit concerning. All right, we'll leave it at that. What's uh, who's got another question? I I literally don't have any. So, um, so. Lewis, you had one, didn't you? I do. Don't know that I can follow the uh, back and forth of that one, but um, <laughs> <laughs> basically, it's a question from my friend Ian, who's a Barcelona fan. Don't get me started. Um, will Barker continue to drop points and? Is this a long-term problem? Uh, so let's start with Ted. I'm on again. Yeah. I watched him today. <laughs> Just let you continue. I watched him today. Um, I mean, Messi's phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, he's, uh, he's he's a game changer. I felt um, the uh, the back four was making. They were dominating the game. To be fair. Um, Carrasco for Atletico Madrid completely just put the game on his head. I think, and I don't want to get quoted on it, but I think Atletico Madrid only really had two efforts on goal, I think. Um, three penalties in the game, one was retaken, but Carrasco really exposed them for pace at the back, which I think we had a back and forth today about the age of the Barcelona team becoming a problem. Um, if you look at the first penalty that gets run, get gets one, sorry, Carrasco picks it up on the left-hand side because it think of a mistake by the right back and just runs past PK into the box and Vidal brings him down <laughs> with the trailing leg. So, I mean, I think the the age is 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 interesting. Obviously, they're bringing over Pjanic, but I think he's approximately, what, 27, 28? Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, he's a fantastic footballer, but, you know, it doesn't... They're sending Arthur the other way and he's younger, I believe. So, I mean, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think they win the league. I think uh, I think Real Madrid, and we've talked about Benzema quite a bit the last couple of weeks, he's he's on fire right now. Um, I, I don't think... I think they're probably finished. I think that puts them... So, so how many points are they adrift now? Is it three? Uh, I believe they're two points. Let me pull it up real quick. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure. But, I, but Real Madrid have a game in hand. So... Um... If you wanted to think about it, yeah, it's it's not great. Um, so Real Madrid are at 
Well, they're one point up with the game in hand. So over Barcelona. So, yeah. I mean, I think Barcelona probably lost the league by now. I think they're in a really bad situation. Their team's been mismanaged pretty poorly by the board, which is pretty interesting when you look at, like, where Arsenal's board came from. majority of them came from Barcelona and that kind of grouping. So, at an executive level, they've just not done great in terms of recruitment. I think they've been unlucky in some terms and with regards to, like, Dembele and a couple other guys they recruited. Uh, I mean, Griezmann's a great player, but he doesn't fit the system. It doesn't look like you look at what they did with the Neymar money. They just basically blew it all in one player. They haven't really replaced any of their greats from their team. So you don't really have an Iniesta replacement. You don't have a Chavia replacement. Busquets is still kicking around, but like I said, he's getting old. I mean, Messi's not going to live forever at that league, especially as much as he gets kicked around. So, they're not in a good spot. PK is still around again, older statesman. So they haven't done a great job of replacing it. I haven't really seen it too many of their academy players come through recently that have been like lights out. Um, the regards to the Arthur and the Panish deal, it's just that's just essentially book cooking in terms of getting one person's wages off the books and being able to uh, basically spread out money and stuff like that and a lot of more complicated things that I can't really get into, but there's tons of articles about it if you just want to Google it. But so, again, it's just an indictment of the terrible business decisions they've made. There's another thing where basically the board is responsible if, if to some degree, if, if because this is getting a little bit in the weeds, but because Barcelona is a, essentially a public club, publicly owned club, so because it's fan or private, I guess it would be private owned club by its fan members. The board is responsible for shepherding and profits. And if they can't cover those profits based off of the revenue they've been bringing in, the board's actually basically responsible to cover that cost. So that's another reason behind this whole deal because it helps alleviate some of that pressure for them. Because I think they would have to almost owe between the six of them or something like that, like $70 million. So, you know, on the hook for that's not great. Um, but I don't know where they're going is they look like a club kind of without any sort of sense of purpose at this point. It's just basically messy and 10 other people yep. around them. And for a club that prides itself in being a masculine club more than a club, it's really kind of sad to see um, where they've fallen, but I don't know if that's just, I got opinion. some, go ahead, Garth. I got some stats for you on their age. Yeah. I, I saw this tweet today, and I was trying to figure out. I, I didn't know if it was in the thread that I saw it. But player age is Messi, 33, Suarez, 33, Vidal, 33, PK, 33, Rakitic, 32, Busquets, 31, Alba, 31, and Pjanic is actually 30. And then the tweet also reads, if, you, if Juventus is the old lady, Barcelona is the old man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's true. They're just, they're just not hoping to live off of their like old there's the there's three main stars there the four main stars and they've really not been able to do it they've crashed out of the Champions League in pretty epic proportions in the last few seasons we just mentioned the Liverpool situation Romo was another one a couple of years ago and the coaching itself has not been great so I don't know I don't know where they go from now this season's going to be bad when they lose to Madrid um so, I think that's kind of impressive that Madrid have turned that around, to be specific. 
um, specifically because they looked like they were dead in the water for a couple couple weeks there. But Barcelona just been dropping points left and right, so it's not been great. Um, but anyway, long-winded answer for that. Okay. Well, that's uh, Madrid, and we mentioned Benzema during that, so that's a good tangent, uh, a good segue, I guess, to Ian's part two question with La Liga. How underrated is Kareem Benzema? And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start as someone who in the past, past has said that they didn't think he was particularly good or that he lived off of the team around him, uh, both when he was fr- in France and for Real. Uh, and uh, I think lately I've changed my tune. Uh, obviously, he scored some pretty impressive goals. Um, so he's probably shot a lot of people up. Uh, what are your thoughts, Garbs? Yeah, I it's it's weird. I feel like in Madrid, like for the past eight years, all you ever hear about is them trying to get rid of Benzema and bring mm-hmm. in a different striker. And and it's crazy to me. He's gotta be one of those guys that like playing with Ronaldo had none of the spotlight. Ronaldo leaves and then it's Gareth Bale that everybody wants to talk about. And then like he's always kind of been second fiddle and the guy just bangs in goals. And usually pretty good ones. Um, so I, I can't say anything negative about him. I know he had some negative press in the off season last year, but outside of that, like the guy just scores goals and, and I don't think he's fully appreciated there at all. He scores, he's basically for Real Madrid. He scored, he scores a goal every two games, 48%. So pretty insane. He reminds me a lot of Cavani at PSG where He's surrounded by Bale, Ronaldo, Ozil back in the day. Like, whoever it was, he's just never been the superstar, even though he probably should deserve to be. In that case, the other thing is he doesn't play for the French national team because he's got some sort of – there's some sort of underlying issue there with the coaches that he's kind of let down. He did have some bad off-the-field stuff go down, so that kind of tarnishes image. But from a, like, sheer production output, he's pretty awesome, not going to lie. I mean, he's – yeah, he definitely, I would put him in the top 10 strikers in the world at this point. I don't know if that's just me, but I don't know. Any thoughts, Ted? No, I'd echo a lot of it. I mean, Benzema's, uh, he just scores goals. I've had it before. I mean, I think he's physical. He's got a good pace. He scores left-footed, right-footed. And he's been in, I think he's been in some people's shadow for a while there, obviously with Ronaldo and and, and the like to where I think maybe now he's enjoying being the focal point. Um, yeah, I think he's he's got another probably good season in him next year, and you know kind of see see where he goes. But uh, I mean, right now, nobody else they have is really scoring goals at the same clip. So I mean, I think uh, I think they'll probably hitch the hitch the wagon to Benzema and see what happens. Yeah, what are, let me look up his career honors here real quick. He's he's what twenty nine years old now, thirty two. older, yeah. Okay, so you think about a lot of the best best strikers in the world right now are at that age. Like next crop should be coming. Yep. Yeah, Aguero. She's never like, yeah. They're just that that generation is just they're like they're our age, right? So they're just getting to the point where they're coming towards the fall of their careers so they got to make it be as efficient as possible which i feel like 
I've noticed a lot of those guys are at this point. If you look at Messi, he's changed his yep. game. Ronaldo's changed his game. Aguero's even adapted to Pep's game. So, like, those guys are savvy enough to do it. While I don't think – I think some of the other guys maybe haven't done it, and that's kind of where they've fallen by the wayside, where some of these guys that have adapted have changed their game and gameplay has really helped them continue to be as prolific as they are. So, All right. Any other questions we had? Not on my end. Garbage I had my my buddies were in a funny mood today, so it was all kind of troll That's questions. Right. We'll take whatever you want. Uh, here's a troll. And how many more Ballon d'Ors will Foden win than Messi and Ronaldo <laughs> combined? And that's from my buddy Carl. Um, Carl's a a fellow City fan. <laughs> well, Carl, the answer is zero. He has to play first. Yeah. <laughs> so then I had another one about Lampard's comments about the chosen one, which is our boy Pulisic having solid potential and what you guys thought of that. I figured Ted would be a good person to answer that. that that's banter, right? Like, what do you mean? Lampard you mean... said it. Lampard said it in his post game. Salah potential? Yeah, interesting. That's what he said. In, in, interesting. Um, as, as in potential to get cast away to Italy for a couple of years and then then come back. <laughs> <laughs> maybe on a maybe on a Chelsea loan spell. Yeah. No, I mean, I I, I think Pulisic is a, is a really good player. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna struggle in a certain regard because obviously Werner's big money and Werner scores goals. Um. And I think Zayech is far more of a Salah type in terms of dynamic and a more of a direct, like Willian, maybe replacement in terms of running at players and hitting things on the run. Um, Have you not watched I mean, the past few weeks? He's been in yeah. fantastic form, but I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's again we can't we can't judge a guy on being the next big thing off of uh, you know a couple of games. So I, mean, I don't know. I think but he's you, got potential. You can't, you don't follow the Premier League or Twitter? You can absolutely do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's you not really what I do. Did you, yeah, did you, did you not know that Arsenal are in the best form in the league right now? Everything's good. Lewis and I are freaking singing from the trees, man. Everything is good. Everything's gravy. ES, ESPN seems to think that Pulisic should be the next Messi, so we'll see. Um, yeah, is he better not, than Ronaldo? But, but, the following day, <laughs> but the following day, is he not as good as we think he is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's because he's, cause he's like, you know, the uh, the great hope. Um, he, he's under a, under a lot of pressure. I think being with Lampard is a great thing. I think being with Jody Morris is a better thing. You know, his assistants, um, I think, will do a good job because he has a proven track record of bringing kind of the youth players through to to different places. Um, so he's got a good chance. I think giving him Salah potential is a is a is it it's it's a lot at this point. You know, I think it's I think that's a lot. We're talking about a guy who's you know been in top three Premier League scorers, I think, last three or four seasons, which. Yeah, there's a, a certain aspect of that as a manager, you want to big him up and give him the confidence to to believe in himself to carry on through with the form that he's in. Um, it's, weird to me that, it's weird to me that Chelsea or that Lampard would even mention that. Like, most coaches yeah, that's don't I'm, like to compare yeah. their players like that. 
That's interesting. I mean, he knows. Let's not forget. Seems to be... Let's not forget who signed. Let's not forget who signed Pulisic and brought him over to Europe. Dorland. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Who was their coach though? Who was their coach? It was old Kloppo for sure. You know. Yeah, so that's right. I think there's there's something there. I mean, I I, I really like the idea that the national team would have someone to hang on to because, as Garb just said, it's. Uh, I think the COVID situation is. Um, I don't think it's great for for the for the national team, um, especially with kind of a lot of the MLS kind of focus on some of the players that are in it. They're not playing games and haven't done, and they're starting up this kind of MLS restart. Which bit of banter on that front? Have you seen the uh, the menu down there in Orlando? Uh, I saw I'm some. High. I saw some stuff. Yeah, check out Omar Gonzalez's Twitter page, and you'll see a very lonely looking. Uh, Ham sandwich on rye, which with oh, a screen with a screenshot like of players, the menu. What the players have been give, giving? Yeah, like a yeah. sixty-five dollars sandwich or something, and it looks like a cafeteria food. So I mean, it's, I don't know. I think that's gonna. It's interesting. It's going down to you know one of the most fertile places in in the country right now. But um, yeah, I think it's it's a it's a bad time. So I think any positivity is, for the for the national team is good. I think Pulisic is immensely talented. I I just think that's a hell of a lot of praise. Uh, at this stage, and I hope it doesn't become. <laughs> I'm just looking an, at this menu and an, an, an anchor. Yeah, read, read off some of the items. I, I don't want. To, I didn't do it justice. Okay, so how, lunch options available eleven to two, sixty-five dollars inclusive. House roasted prime rib, New York strip loin, horseradish, creme fraiche, brilliant, severin cheese, black batard. Now the picture is literally. <laughs> it's, I'm on it right <laughs> it's, now, dude. It's, it's so dear. The picture looks like something you would get at like a stay away camp, and they're claiming this stuff is prime rib and it has a banana and like potato salad in a plastic cup, like and three it looks... little potatoes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is awful. So, so are the players order paying for this themselves? Is that how this is working? Oh man! If you scroll down in the comments, there's a guy with the ham sandwich, and literally, I make sandwiches ten times better than that in my house every day. Oh god, MLS! It's horrible. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine they're, they're on some sort of per diem down there um, for items like that. But my lord, that's it's a it's a sad looking sandwich, isn't it, boys? Um, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, but I guess they start what July 11th. Is that right? First games for that one? Supposedly. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think so. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway. We need to quote tweet that on the Twitter. We need people need to see this. Yeah, I'll, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> it's so great. Oh my goodness. All right. Anything else for anyone? Anything else? Or are we good to go here? Got predictions, eh? I think we got predictions. Oh, yeah, predictions. Time. predictions. Let's do it. Let's, okay. let's get a little update on Ed or Tadino's uh, in, in, incredible, incredible run last last week. Yeah, I really hate to pile more good news on Ed in one week. I'm not <laughs> sure his heart can take it. But uh, last week, so we were doing one point to get the correct result uh, and three points for the correct score. Ed totaled ten points last week, getting three of the games right in terms of result and score. Adam had two points, Garber had one, I had three. So he ran away with that, just like Liverpool ran away with the league. Lovely. 
Um, that was coming off of a zero point performance the week before. Yeah, yes, we, do, we do have to bring that up. We have to bring that up. Yep, bring him back down to us. So, went, went, right, with, the heart, so, went, went, went with the heart the first week, had second week. So for this week, boys, we are going to start off with Bournemouth hosting Newcastle, uh, and we'll get uh, score predictions from Adam first for this one. Bournemouth v Newcastle. Yep. I'm going to go Newcastle 2-0. All right. What about you, Ed? Newcastle 1-0, sadly. Love to see Bournemouth get points, but they are wretched at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Garber. Newcastle 2-1. All right. I'm going to go with a one-all draw. Okay, next we have uh, the Garber-Ted Cup. Uh, <laughs> City versus Liverpool. Uh, start with Adam. City versus Liverpool and yep. City. This is a tough one. Uh, this is a really tough. I feel like... Uh, I'm just going to think that Liverpool are still hungover from their social distance <laughs> celebrations. So I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going with City 2-1. All right. Ted? Oof. Heart, head over heart, right? Um, what, well, whatever you did last, last week. <laughs> Just yeah. Yeah. Do whatever Apparently. you did the first week. <laughs> I'm going to go 2-1 the Reds. 1 the Reds. Champions and all that. All right. Garber? 2-2. Two, two. That was going to be my first, my first one, to be honest. But Van Dyke's fit, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go barn burner three two city. Ooh, Oof. I like it. I was thinking about three two, like we had that. Okay, uh, we are now on Sheffield United hosting. Our favorite team of the podcast, Spurs. Uh, Adam, you're up. Uh, head over heart, Spurs 3 0. Okay. Ted? Sheffield United and Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't see Sheffield United scoring. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with I you. I can't see him scoring. I think. Spurs 2-0. Cops. Mourinho's favorite result, Spurs 1-0. <laughs> okay. And I'm oh, it's tough because you've covered you've got a 3-0, 2-0, and a 1-0 prediction all for Spurs. <laughs> really covering the, the bases. So I don't want to do that. Plus I fucking hate them. Uh, <laughs> Sheffield United uh 2-1 I'm going. Wow. Uh, both like on set pieces. <laughs> long throws. Of course. Yeah. Long throws <laughs> yeah. straight into the goal and Spurs put it in their own own net. Kane will claim it. To uh, be fair. Oh, speaking <laughs> real quick about Spurs, can we all laugh at how Ndombele has basically just said he's not going to ever play for them ever again? <laughs> yeah. Do you job. think it was the private training sessions and during the <laughs> pandemic? You think that's I, what did it? That and Mourinho's just been texting him like derogatory shit 
on in the side, like just about how much he sucks all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> something probably a combination of the two. So we're doing Wolves Arsenal. We're doing Wolves Arsenal. We are doing Wolves Arsenal. Yes. So two more games left. This one for Adam and I is going to be uh, tough to predict. So we'll start off with Adam. Wolves is it at Wolves? Uh, they have the home fan advantage. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they get the pumping crowd noise. I'm just gonna go one nothing Wolves. Oh. Ted. Two one. Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton Wanderers. Oh man. Gobs. Can I can, can I pick a scorer as well? Uh, it gets for you nothing, for but, a bonus point. Sure. Nope. No, Jimenez. No Jimenez. Jimenez bags, hundred percent. Cool man. Like that's that's yeah. I think he's he's like probably like two to ten to score. So good job. <laughs> Let's I I don't I'm not being mean to you guys, but I have <laughs> three one wolves. Oh three yeah. one. Oh yeah. I'm not being mean oh. to you guys. Jesus, I don't even know. I'm doing um, this in hopes of you winning because that was that bad last week. I'm going to go for a sneaky 2-1 Arsenal win. See how positive I'm being now? Look at me. I like it. I don't, I like know, who, I don't know who you are anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, switch, finishing up places. with an interesting game of two str- struggling sides currently. Uh, Everton and Leicester. Everton at home. Adam, go first. Everton and Leicester. One one. Okay. Tedinho. Oof. Leicester will win that one two one, I think. All right. Cops. I don't want to repeat the same, but one one. Okay. I think uh I think Leicester find their form and win 1 0. Jamie Vardy. Vardy party. Yeah, Vardy, no counter. Vardy. Of, of course. Skittles vodka. I like it. I like your head. <laughs> By the way, on a side note, have you guys seen all the uh, drama with Vardy's uh, wife and with with uh, nice. Rooney? Yeah. So oh, yeah. For, li- for liable. Wild stuff. Claiming that she leaked the leaked text and all that stuff and. Man, it was it was a good five minutes in the car this morning on XM Radio, and I was <laughs> I was laughing the entire time. Really hoping, uh, I was really hoping Vardy and uh, Wayne Rooney. Well, Leeds, if Leeds come up, is Rooney still at Leeds? At Derby. Is oh, at Derby? Damn it! That's sorry. I thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was at Leeds. That would have been great just to have them square off in the middle of the pitch at one point. All right, all right. Well, we'll end it there, boys. It's been awesome. Great talking to you. Can't wait for the predictions to see who's won. Joe, again, we do apologize for smashing you last week. So no, we, don't. no, we, we really don't. But good luck to that. And uh, Ted, congratulations one more time. That's probably the last time I'll ever say it to you again. All right. Appreciate it, boys. <laughs> All right, take it easy. See you, guys. See you boys.